Welcome to Sunday Morning Live Fellowship. You are listening to our live Sunday morning service. Now, please turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 10 through 5. While you are finding our scripture, let me just say this. Imagine having all the truth of the Bible, having the truth in the Bible, but none of the Bible stories. No Genesis, no Exodus, no First and Second Samuel, First and Second Chronicle, none of the historical books, not Joshua, no Gospels, no Book of Acts. All you have is a little bit of Romans, a little bit of Ephesians, and a few other scattered assertions and commands from here and there in the Bible. Granted, these assertions that you have, these little bitty pieces, they would still be true. But would we have any idea of what to do with the assertions and the commands? Would we have any idea of how to apply them to our personal lives? Literally, there would not be any examples without those storybooks of how people have failed and how God has redeemed them in their failure. Would we not only be able, we would not only be able to relate but we wouldn't know how something that started out bad turned out good. In other words, God gave us the blessing of a story. Now let's turn to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And y'all can say this with me. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses two through five. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanliness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Mm. Oh God, we thank you for the story. <laughs> We thank you for the story that you wrote for our lives. 
You wrote an individual, unique story for every person that lives. We thank you that our story resides within your story. And you wrote the story in the beginning. You created us. Actually, you chose us in you before the beginning. You loved us. You chose us in love. And then you redeemed us by dying for us to show us a display of love that would never be portrayed again. Thank you. Hallelujah. Now, God, we pray for those that are sick. We thank you for all the testimonies of recovery that we heard today. We thank you, oh God, for even how you are healing for those that have lost loved ones and the difficulty of loss. <laughs> oh God, we thank you for your word. Your word you gave us within a story. We thank you for being the author and the finisher of our story. And it is good. And we trust you. Let us not get stuck in the details of the plot. But trust, oh God, that the story will end well. Now, God, we pray for your servant. Oh God, empty me of me. Shut me down. Let me sit down and cause your Holy Spirit to rise up big. Oh God, so that it will be all of you and none of me. Have your way in the lives of the people, oh God, that have gathered together. Bless this gathering. We thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to gather. We praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Going back to Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I would like to use for a topic this morning, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I don't know if you realize this or not, but God is telling the world a story. The story does not begin with, God's story does not begin with once upon a time, once upon a time. No, God's story begins in eternity past and stretches into eternity future, eternity past, e eternity past is where the depths of salvation exists. God's story starts in eternity past where he chose you before the world ever began. Yes, you. How do I know God chose you? Because you could not believe in him if he had not chosen you. God's story began before the beginning. And you and I are a part 
of that narrative. His story climaxed 2,000 years ago when the same God who chose you entered into what he created in a new way. God created all things in their created place to enter into a loving relationship with him. Beloved, God wrote his story and he is inviting you and I into his story as his characters. See, God created us as story-shaped creatures. We were born into stories, raised in stories, and live and die in stories. Whenever we have to answer the question, who am I? Why am I here? And what should I do? And what happens to me after I die? The answer is in your story. Now, the founding story is the story of God's love for his creation. And every other story, my story, your story, is measured against God's love and redemption of his creation. Your life is a story of faith. And you are God's character. Why is this such good news? Because this means our lives have been offered by God. He is more than God is more than just intellectual language that we use at church. He has literally written every line of our story and our faith lives out our story. As we live out each day of our lives, we can look back at our past and we can see God weaving in and out of every line of the story that he wrote for our lives. Beloved, we must have a story. We were created for story. A story engages all of what we are, our mind, our will, our emotions, our spirit, our body. Hallelujah. So it is no surprise then that the central record of faith in human history opens with an unmistakable story signature in the beginning. <laughs> he is the author and finisher of our faith. See, stories are God's idea. God is the one who created story. He created the form of a story and created us as story-shaped creatures. God has chosen story as the primary way to present himself to his creation. The Bible does not simply contain stories. These are not fiction stories. The Bible reflects God's 
choice of the form of a story as the primary means by which to tell us about himself and how we can be in right relationship with him. The story is also the form God has chosen to preserve that knowledge over many, many generations with stories. Think about it this way. We know the Lord is powerful. That, that is a statement of fact. It is true. But this statement of fact in and of itself doesn't have a lot of impact if it only like just intellectually hangs suspended in a cloud of abstract thinking. In order for the fact that God is powerful to mean anything to me, I need a story. How do we know the Lord is powerful? Honey, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about the time the nation of Israel crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground. Let me tell you about the story where Joshua crossed over the Jordan River, fought the battle of Jericho, and entered into the promised land. Let me tell you about the story, the time when Gideon rounded, rounded the enemy of Israel with just a handful of men. Let me tell you about the story where Jesus fed 5,000 people. Let me tell you about the story of the empty tomb. God is powerful. The Lord is good. Jesus is the son of God. Christ did raise from the dead. But my faith for all of these facts depend on the stories in order for me to have meaning and practical application. If we don't have a story, then the facts have no significance. God understands that stories are not only central to our faith, but our stories carry our faith from one generation to the next. The people in the Old Testament are constantly reminded of their master story, the children of Israel. They are the people of God rescued out of Egypt and are admonished to shape their lives around the fact that God rescued them. Beloved, when God rescues you, you need to tell your story. Psalms 102 and 18 says, let this be recorded for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. And who is this future generation for which the story has been recorded? It includes among others, 
you and I. How is it that we have the opportunity to know the, the God who created us? Because someone lived the story before us and someone else told the story and someone else wrote down the story and others chose to repeat the story and many were willing to die for the story. Which prompts me to ask the question, listen to me, Ah, listen to me beloved, I'm asking the question, Will this be the generation that stops telling the story? Will this be the generation that does not pass the story along? Our stories are never more than a generation from becoming extinct. And our stories of faith will fade away unless we tell the story. The Bible is many things, but among the most important thing, the Bible is a great big storybook that we must devote to our memory. This is the meaning, says the Bible, of the story that we call human history. God made us. This is God's story. God made us. God loves us. God calls us. That is the master plot of the greatest story ever told. And if you do not understand that part of the story, you will never correctly understand who you are and why you are here. <sighs> Today's culture has a preoccupation with self. Self-analysis. Self-help. self fulfillment and on and on and on. Do you really want to understand yourself? Do you really want to know the meaning of life and what you're supposed to be doing? Baby, let me tell you a story. In the beginning, God. That is the opening line of the story of God's relationship with his creation. It is the story by which all other stories, including our individual stories, are to be understood. God established the beginning. He wrote the narrative. It's a master story that you and I are invited to make our personal story. If you do decide to join God's story, you have both rights and responsibilities. One of those responsibilities is to remember what God has done and to tell the next generation. See, y'all don't believe me that the Bible uses stories 
as its central means to move our faith from one generation to the next. Well, if you want evidence that the Bible stories involve us and that the use of story is central in the Bible, consider this story. The story of David, Bathsheba, and the prophet Nathan, as told in our text in 2 Samuel. (laughs) This is an example from the Bible itself of how stories shape us. Let me tell you this story. We start in the middle of an ongoing story. David has abused his power as king in order to sleep with Bathsheba. And she becomes pregnant. To cover his failure morally and as a leader, David has her husband called back from war assuming that her husband Uriah will sleep with his wife and think the baby is his. And therefore, thereby, David can cover his tracks. (laughs) David, however, didn't realize and didn't count on the fact that Uriah is a man of integrity and loyalty. When Uriah comes back from war, He refuses to sleep with his wife while his fellow soldiers are still fighting. Now what is David going to do? David resorts to arranging Uriah's murder. He arranges Uriah's death. And when Uriah is gone... At that time, he brings this woman, Bathsheba, into his own household. Ooh, what a powerful story in and of itself. But there's another story inside this story. In the middle of this story, it takes a shift. There's a change. Right in the middle of the story, the direction changes that changes the direction of David's life and the entire nation of Israel. God sends the prophet Nathan to David's house. And when Nathan gets to David's house, Nathan says to David, King David, I got a story to tell you. Now, this story that Nathan is telling is really a trap. Mm. Even better, it's an instrument of self-revelation. And the prophet nation, Nathan tells the story masterfully. Mm. It goes like this. There, this is the story that Nathan tells David. There were two men in a certain town, one rich and one poor. The rich man had a great flock and great herds. The poor man had nothing but one little 
lamb. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with him and his children. The little lamb ate from the man's meager table, drank from the man's meager cup. The lamb slept with this man in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a traveler arrived at the home of the rich man. But the rich man was unwilling to take an animal from his own flock or herd to prepare for the traveler. Instead, the rich man took the poor man's little lamb and prepared it for his guest. David heard this story and he is enraged by the actions of this rich man in Nathan's story and proclaims with all of his royal authority, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this thing deserves to die. At this climatic point, Nathan unleashes the lightning bolt of prophetic revelation and proclaims you are that man. Did you see the revelation from Nathan's story? David is the rich man and Uriah is the poor man. David has been given much and yet has taken from the man who has little. David has been blessed by God and he has responded by breaking God's law. This story about David and Nathan shows not only that God uses stories, but that we are created to live and respond to the story. But it also shows that stories are choices. They give us choices and and they show us consequences. The essence of our stories is characters are making choices. And many times after we hear a great story, we have to make a difficult choice. And we are not always aware of what the outcomes will be. We have to ask our own selves, what will happen if I walk through that door? Should I, what will happen if I marry this person or don't marry this person? Mm, King Solomon. How will King Solomon decide which woman the baby belongs to? These are the tensions of choices that draw us to the story. And there is always an implicit question. What would I do if I were in this story, in this situation? Is this my story with Bathsheba and David? They made disastrous decisions and suffered disastrous consequences. A woman is abused. A faithful kingdom citizen is murdered. A baby dies. The integrity of the king is compromised and the whole kingdom is put at risk. 
all because David isn't satisfied with everything God has given him. He wants more. He wants something else. But this, uh, this story also indicates yet another quality of a story. Stories have the power to change us. Nathan's story led David to repent. David, after hearing Nathan's proclamation, said, I have sinned against the Lord. And although God does not save him and Bathsheba from the loss of this baby that is about to be born, the baby died. Subsequently, their next child became the next king of the nation, Solomon. God's story has the power to change us. God's stories are aggressive. God's stories say you must be different because of what you just heard. When you hear God's story, it causes us to say, I can no longer be the same now that I know the story. And the same is true of the gospel story. (laughs) Once you have heard it, you are never allowed to stay the same. The gospel story is a judgment we are invited to accept or reject. And if we accept it, then we choose, like characters in the story, to change the plot of our lives for eternity. For in so doing, when we we change our lives, we are not giving up who we are, We are becoming more of who we are. That is more of who God created us to be. (sighs) Beloved, the most important stories are directive. (laughs) The most important stories, they tell us we must be different. We must change. The stories often tell us how to change. We must change because God is using you as a character in your story to change the world. All of history will be different because you lived. Your very existence has already changed the course of history. All of us leave a mark in the lives of those around us and those who come after us. That's your story. Your life has purpose. It interacts and intersects with other people and affects the timing and events and ideas and decisions that direct the future trajectory of the lives of other people and eventually affects millions as we go from one generation to another. Your story 
will change the course of history. Lives are changed for better or worse based upon how we live the life that has been given us and what we do with our talents. Beloved, your story is important. There is no such thing as an unimportant, meaningless life. Every story God authored is good and has purpose. The story God wrote for your life is your assignment from the Lord. You don't need to be someone else. You don't need to be somewhere else. You need to be who and where God wants you to be. Because your assigned life is not just about you. It's also about hundreds of others around you and hundreds of thousands of others who will come after you. And since you are not wise enough to chart your own course for the sake of your present and future fruitfulness, you must follow Jesus by faith. He is your shepherd and he will help you hear his voice. Jesus wants you to live your life prayerfully, walk carefully, and seek his kingdom first. Beloved, we have things to do. Doubt or no doubt, we have things to do. Fear or no fear, we must live our story and keep returning to the stories in the Bible. Don't be dismayed by what's happening in the world around you. God wrote this story and the plot has always been the same. It's not good versus evil. It's not love versus hate. It's only love. Stop fighting and love. Learn to appreciate the story God wrote for your life. Ask the question, what did I learn? Stop rehearsing a negative narrative and projecting doom and gloom. God wrote your story and it ends well. This is my story. This is my song, and I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Come on and thank God. Thank God where you are in your story right now. Stop complaining. Stop being unappreciative. Stop questioning God. Stop blaming, making excuses, and pointing your finger. This is a great God that wrote your story, and God knows what he's doing. Praise him right now for where you are in your story. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, You've heard the gospel, 
but you did not respond. I invite you to do so now. It's your responsibility to respond. Pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have done many things that don't please you. I have lived my life for myself only. I am sorry and I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me to save me. You did what I could not do for myself. I come to you now and ask you to take control of my life. From this day forward, help me to live every day that pleases you. If you prayed that simple prayer with me, I invite you to call me at 231-349-1046 so I can discuss with you the first steps of salvation. God bless you, beloved.